0: Uh, y'all are a rowdy bunch today. I love it. I love it. Uh, there should be life in the kingdom of God. You know, there should be life. It's not, it's not any fun to go. You know, I realize that, you know, there are some circles that say you get saved and you just got to like be quiet, you know, just no more fun in life. You know, everything's serious. Cause you know, only God's serious. Right. And, uh, which is really a crazy thought because if you look at us, you see how big of a sense of humor he really has, and uh, you know. So, and really, let's face it, it's no fun to go to the first church of the frigid air, is it? <laughs> right, you know, you got to have some life, and Jesus said, "I came to give life, and not just life, but abundant life, a lot of life." And life is busy. Life is noisy. Life sometimes appears chaotic. Uh, that's only the appearance of it because he's always in control. But uh, life, life is uh, kind of the thrill of the roller coaster at times. And, and uh, so, yeah. So the fact that we can get in here and you hear the sounds of fellowship, all that good stuff. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, expect some great things out of God. Uh, I hope you're learning to expect the best out of God. Because he does want to give you the best. Why would he not want to give you the best? Now, the best is not always what we determine the best is in life, you know. In life, we've got definitions of what we think the best is, you know. Certain homes and certain cars and certain foods and certain planes and certain clothes. And, oh, well, this is the best. This is the best. Well, none of that really matters to God, ultimately, because all of that's temporary. It's here today, gone tomorrow. You know, no matter what you get that's shiny and new, give it a bit. It's going to be kind of old and boring to you. You know, and you're going to want something else that's shiny and new. But what he has lasts forever. He has peace that you can always have access to. He's got joy. You can always have access to. He's got mercy that endures forever. It says his mercies are new every morning. He's got grace that abounds. It says where sin, where there's sin, grace abounds all the more. So in other words, where there's a a prick of sin, there's an entire ocean of grace that covers just that one little bit of sin. He's a God of what sometimes we would call excess, but he just calls it abundance. You know, has anyone in here ever lacked oxygen naturally? We got all the oxygen we need in this room, praise God. You know, we, we got all the sunlight we need. We've got all the resources that we need to be right here, right now. You had everything you needed in life to be right where you're at at this moment. Isn't that awesome? We lack for nothing in the kingdom of God. At least when it comes to kingdom thinking, perhaps by the world's standards, well, who knows? Uh, but the world's, like I said, it's transient. It's temporary. But we can expect some great, great things. We talked about the hundredfold a couple of weeks ago, which is the maximum potential of God's uh, of what God can do for you. You can believe for the hundredfold. Uh, last week we talked about eat with your shoes on. in other words, you know you can partake of Christ, you can partake of the things of of God such as communion, which we did last week, with some expectancy. there's some things you we just don't we don't do things just out of religious habit right so even even with our singing and, and our praising we're, we're not doing it just because oh well when you go to church you're supposed to sing some songs no we we do it with a sense of expectancy that when i begin to praise him i can step into his presence and in his presence there's some things i can expect And the in the presence of the lord is fullness of joy and that is right hand our pleasures forevermore i didn't come up with that the word says that right So if I praise him and step into his presence, hey, these are things I can expect. I can expect to go boldly before the throne, the word of God says. I can can petition him and he'll hear. If I humble myself and pray, he'll hear from heaven, the Bible says. In other words, we have a God we can expect some great things from. And, and, and that's what we're talking about today. So today, we're going to talk about exam day. Woo! Now it's test time. Y'all all get an exam today. No. No, exam day actually is really a day of expectations, right? You remember when you're back in school? Say, man, I got a test. I got an exam. I don't know about you guys. When I was in college, I, I looked forward to the exams. Not because I just enjoyed taking a test, but I knew, let's get this out of the way. Because if I can pass this, I move on to the next stage. That's one step closer to graduation, right? I was the same way in high school. You know, everyone in high school, all these kids have, you know, school spirit and class spirit. I had graduation spirit, man. (laughs) I was like, get me out of it. Graduation day, high school graduation day, man. I saw these kids. Kids I'd grown up with, too, man. We'd we'd grown up together. And they're all just (laughs) hugging each other afterwards, all that. I was like, I don't know what's wrong. I'm out of here, man. I, I went and found my parents so we could go eat. That was done. We're done, man. I may have more school, but ain't going to be there, <laughs> right? So there's something about exams and tests that doesn't have to be stressful. I'm not saying they're going to be easy. But if you're, if you're in a time of life that you feel like you're being tested And you're going through some exams, if it were. Then you should have some great expectations. Because if you can pass, if you can learn the lesson, that means you get to move on. Say, well, what if I fail? Well, that's the wonderful thing about God. He doesn't put you down. You just got to take the lesson again. (laughs) It'll crop back up in your life. You'll get another opportunity to have faith in him in that area. And, And if... If you're kind of stuck where you're stuck for a while, that's okay. You stay there as long as you need to till you learn. You know, we were talking in the men's uh, Bible study yesterday. If, you know, in order to go on to the fourth grade, you get to pass the third grade. But if you're in the third grade for now and that's what you can comprehend, fine, be there. I'm just saying, if you're the only one shaving in class, it's time for you to move on, right? <laughs> and it's time for you to grow, right? <laughs> so... So let's look at this. Great things happen after exams. I want you to get that in your head. Great things happen after exams. You either graduate or you finish that unit or you've mastered that one area and you move on to something else. You grow and you expand, right? So let's look at this. James chapter 1, starting with verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy. Man, have some great expectations. When you fall into various trials, another, you know, another word for trials is tests, right? Trial by fire, or in other words, test by fire, right? So when you, fall, when you find yourself being tested in life, get excited about it. Why? Because some great things can happen. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces something it produces patience patience why is it important to have patience oh because they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength I need my strength renewed that means I got to learn to wait on them those that wait upon the Lord so hey it, it produces patience is actually our ability to wait on the Lord and it produces in you, when you go through some testing and some trials, the ability to wait on the Lord. When you finally learn it in that one area of your life, the next time you go through something major, you can sit there and go, oh, I'm, I'm good. God's going to take care of this. He's going to tell me what to do. I'll take the action he tells me, but I'm going to wait on him. Some of you have been asking the question, how long do I have to wait, God? How much longer? How long do I have to endure this? The the question that's not the right question. The question you need to ask is of yourself. How long am I willing to wait on God? How long am I willing to believe that God's going to come through? And if the answer is forever, then it's going to happen in no time. Right? There was a promise God spoke to me when I was 16 years old. I didn't see it come to fruition until 33 years later. But I stood on that promise. I was willing to wait forever for it. So 33 years in the lens of forever isn't all that long. It happened in no time. But it happened in the right time. So it produces patience. But let patience, let the ability to wait on God have its perfect work. That you may be... Perfect. The word perfect also means fully matured. Don't you want to, as a believer, don't you want to be fully matured? Fully matured, complete, lacking nothing. Isn't that an awesome place to be? When you realize you wake up in the morning and there's not a thing that you need because you have him and he's going to take care of you. Oh, you may face some challenges that day. It's just an opportunity to be tested. It's an opportunity to use faith, your trust in him. Because we're commanded to walk by faith. If we didn't have challenges, there'd be no need to walk by faith. <laughs> right. But we're instructed, walk by faith, not by sight. Well, in order to walk by faith, you've got to have some challenges so that you can, he's, he's got to permit some things to come into your life so that you can trust him. Right? All right, let's continue on here. I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 13 and 5. Because sometimes when you are, when you are being tested, when you go through school and you're being tested, the, the, the greatest way to pass tests is for you to test yourself, right? It's for you to study, for you to sit down, hand somebody else the note cards. You know, you know, the flash cards, you remember the flash cards and you give it to a friend. and You say, okay, start asking me these questions. Or you give it to your parents. All right, ask me these questions. Well, What are you doing? You're testing yourself. Well, Paul says to do the same things. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves. There's the word exam. It means test yourself. Every day we need to be asking ourselves, am, am I living in fear or am I living in faith? Fear doesn't mean that you're cowering and shaking. It just means sometimes you just... Okay, you know what? Things aren't happening the way I want it. I'm going to take the wheel. I'm going to take it. I'm going. To, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to. And then usually, it, like you, you wind up making a bigger mess of things rather than just be waiting on the Lord. Right? Say, Lord, you tell me what to do. I'll do it. But I'm not going to do it until you tell me. So He says, "Examine yourselves to see if your faith, your full trust in God, is what genuine. Genuine. The word genuine means." actually possessing the alleged or apparent attribute or character. So test yourself, give yourself some exams to see if you may say you trust in God, but are you really trusting God? You may say, oh, I have faith in Jesus. We got a lot of celebrities that say that these days, right? Hey, I believe in Jesus. Glory to God. You know, they'll receive awards. I want, to thank, I want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I hope they mean it, man, and I hope they mean it. And I'm not saying that in a judgmental way. I, I really do hope they mean it. But then their lifestyle and their actions and their opinions and their social takes don't match what the Word of God has to say. You know? Oh, but I believe in Jesus. Don't judge me. Well, you don't have to worry about me judging or any of you guys. We're not judges. But man, the Word of God... We're judged according to the word of God, right? Uh, we see a lot of folks, a lot of folks say, that, oh, yeah, 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 I believe in Jesus, I believe in Jesus. Okay, well, if, if you say you have faith in Jesus, test yourself. According to what? To, according to the word. To see if it is genuine. In other words, to see if your faith actually possesses the alleged or apparent attribute or character. That we say it has, Right? If I say I'm a man of faith, I need to make sure I'm examining myself according to the word of God. Why? Because I need for my faith to be genuine. When when a teacher gives you an exam or a test, what is he or she trying to do? Trying to see what's actually on the inside of you, right? Trying to see if the information that is being repeated over and over in class is getting in there to see if you can actually get it back out, right? Uh, which is a test of being genuine, right? Anyone realize you can go to New York City and you can go, get off the plane and go out on the street and you can get you a Rolex for about $40. <laughs> and it looks pretty good. If you're lucky, it's right. That's right, if you're lucky. It's spelled. R-O-L-L-E-K-S, right? <laughs> Rolex. And I'm talking about $2,500, $5,000 Rolex. You can get you for 70 bucks on the street of New York, man. And it looks really good. The only way some of these these Rolexes, (laughs) the only way you can tell a difference is if you get someone who knows to look on the inside of it. At face value, it looks pretty good. But in order to see if it is genuine, you got to get inside of it, right? Uh, f- several years back, I had the, the opportunity to, to go explore and, and, and take a tour of the lost city of Petra over in Jordan. And uh, anyone, had, uh, Alex, you've been there. Uh, it's, it, it is one of the coolest places I've ever been, right? And, and y'all know there's, there's usually swarms of little Bedouin kids that are running around and they're coming up trying to sell you any shard of clay they can to hey this is a an artifact archaeological artifact or you know any, anything they can do they're trying to sell you something because they're just they're poor they're trying to make some money right and they get all these tourists coming through they have money and and most of the time i'm ignoring them and and this kid comes up this little kid comes up tugs on me says, mr., mr 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 i look down and he holds out his hand and he said look actual nebetean coins which was the nebeteans that I, that, that built most of petra right and, and lived there actual nebetean coins and i looked and i said man who's that on that coin and he said that was one of the nebetean kings i said that is awesome because he looks just like john f kennedy <laughs> <laughs> and i said and i said let me let me take a look and it was you could tell it was you know, like if you go to Walmart and they got the gumball machines and they got the plastic money or the plastic... It was, it was like some of that kind of plastic coinage. Actual Nebitan coins. I said, how much? He said, you can have one for $2. Because yeah, they'll take American money, right? I said, $2? I said, you realize I'm going to pay you $2? I'm about to go sell it for several thousand to a, 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 a museum. And he said, do what you need, sir. <laughs> so So he got... So he got and I got me a Nebetean coin with John Kennedy's picture on it. And I think I left it at one of the hotel rooms on accident. I was going to keep it as just a souvenir. Uh, In other words, it wasn't genuine. It was told to me it was Nebetean, and it looked like he probably came from the Oriental Trading Company, you know, magazine or something, right? And it somehow wound up there. The, the, uh, back during the ancient times, anyone know what the word for actor is? Because an actor is actually someone who, who pretends to be something outwardly that isn't, you know, that's not who they really are. Anyone know what the, the, the old Greek term for actor is hypocrite. Hypocrite. (laughs) See, y'all just thought it was a bunch of judgmental Christians that usually, because usually it's said with a finger, right? Hypocrite, right? No, it, it actually means actor. It means to, to portray something outwardly that, that you're, not. you're not. So, you know, if you would have went to the Oscars back in ancient Greece, they'd say best supporting hypocrite for this year's, <laughs> you know, <laughs> best male hypocrite, best female hypocrite, right? Uh, that literally is what it is. So, so that's what he's trying to say. Are you a hypocrite with your faith? Are you an actor or are you genuine? Is, is what we say, the way that we portray ourselves? is it really, are we really trusting Christ the way that we say we trust him with every part of our life? And in order to know that, you gotta test yourself. You gotta examine yourself. Because trust me, he send, he's sending some tests your way, right? So I don't know if God tests us. Well, he does. We're gonna talk about, we're gonna show an example of it. Now, I don't believe that he causes severe harm to you in order to test you. He will use everything that comes through your life to help form your faith. He'll say, oh, I, hey, I can use that. It doesn't necessarily mean he created it for you, right? So even if you say, oh, I feel like the enemy is coming against me. Well, hey, rejoice, because he's going to use that. He will use that, right? So, is everything all right on the front row? We got a meltdown. My wife's melting down over here. <laughs> Was there baggage? <laughs> there was. Y'all pray. My wife's being assaulted by her daughter. Riley. <laughs> now I want you to understand this. He says, "Examine yourself to see your faith if it's genuine, to see whether your faith is true or not, to see if it is on the inside what what it, what you're saying it is on the outside. Test yourselves." Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. Think about, man, Christ is amongst us. Isn't that awesome? Because if Jesus is amongst us, that means that there's deliverance. That means that there's peace. That means that there's salvation. That means that blind can see, deaf can hear, the dead can live. That means the miraculous is here. Christ is among, but notice it says here, it says, Surely you know, the word there is, in Greek is G-N-O-S-I-S, gnosis. I've even heard some people say gnosis. I don't know which one is true. I'm not a Greek scholar, but it's, it's, it's gnosis. It's, it's knowledge, but not just knowledge. It's where we get the word knowledge. He says, surely you know, or surely you gnosis that Christ is among you. The word gnosis means knowledge with experience. It's not that you've just read about it and you've memorized it, but it's that you've encountered it, you've experienced it, you've lived it. There's a big difference. If we needed to get out of here via helicopter today, we're in luck. You got two options. You have Alex Romo who's over here who's been trained by the military's finest. And look, he's shrugging, trying to be, be all humble here, but, but he has seen combat. He's had people shoot at him. While he's flying, he's 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 ushered people back and forth. He's flown in a myriad of weather conditions. He's, matter of fact, he is a trainer for Bell Helicopter. So if you buy a helicopter and you want to be from Bell and you want to get trained, he's going to be one of them. That, not only that, he helped. Shh, don't tell anyone because he does, he doesn't advertise this. He helped train Harrison Ford on his helicopter. Harrison, Harrison Ford, Han Solo. He helped. So when y'all see Empire Strikes Back and he's flying the Millennium Falcon through that asteroid field, (coughs) where do you think he learned that from? So, so you can choose from from Brother Romo, who has knowledge and experience, or I can offer my services because I have played some video games that have helicopters. And I watched Airwolf a lot in the 80s, which was a pretty, you know, I got some knowledge. No, you're going to take the one knowledge and experience. Why? Because he doesn't just know about it, but he has lived it, right? That's, that's gnosis, knowledge. And that's what he's saying here. Surely you know and have experienced the fact that Christ is amongst you. And then he goes on to say, and if you failed that test, or if you haven't, then, then you really have failed the the test of genuine faith. You know, if you've not figured out that Christ has got this, that you can relax, that he's covering you, then you, you failed that lesson so far. You're going to be shaving in the third grade for a little bit. It's okay. We'll get you out of the third grade, but just be patient. That's, that's one of the things. So that's what he's trying to say is examine yourself. Now, now, notice this is why you can expect some great things. And we'll move through this really, really quick. We're going to look at the Gospel of John, chapter 6. Isaac's favorite gospel. Gospel of John, chapter 6. Now, this is one of the times that Jesus feeds the multitudes, okay? Uh, And this this is really cool. Uh, Because if there's an exam there's a need for you to have great expectations that God's going to do something wonderful. And I told you last week, God was moving us into a season of the miraculous. And I talked about with Jesus's very first miracle, turning water into wine. There were certain things precedent that he set, that, that he set in John chapter two. And, and one of which is divine provision. They didn't have a way to get more wine, but he, but he did it. Uh, uh, also uh, abundance, or, or it's, it's divine prosperity. Jesus made a lot of wine, you know, up, upwards of 128 or more gallons of wine. They didn't need that much wine, but he just makes abu- abundance, right? He, he's the God of more than enough, El Shaddai. And then the other is he supernaturally condenses time. He bypassed all the process that it takes to make good wine, which would be years, and he made it suddenly, in an instant. And that's when you move into the season of the miraculous, that's what takes place. That's how miracles tend to work. This week, we actually, within our church family, we had two major miracles within two different families. And I'm talking things where, you know, a year and a half of living through hell, all of a sudden, suddenly, just like that, peace, be still, the storm is calm. And, and... Suddenly, So I want you to see what happens here. Amen. Thank you, Becky. Amen. Someone's excited about miracles. And we are moving into a, a season of that. I'm telling you, we're going to... Uh, uh, Toke sent me a beautiful message this morning uh, confirming that in the spirit that, that we are moving into a time that, that we're going to see the miraculous take place within the families of this fellowship. Because we've been believing for it, praying for it, believing God, trusting God. It's standing on faith and God's, God's moving. Okay. So let's look at what Jesus is doing here. He's about to feed the multitude. And it says that he and the disciples sat down on the side of the hill. They're looking up the hill. Everyone's going to come sit up, up above them so that the sound can project all that good stuff. And it's this myriad, the sea of humanity that's on this way. And that's where we pick up. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, he looks over at Philip, his disciple. And he asked this question, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Notice, but this he said to test him, right? He asked Philip, hey, where do we need to go to buy some bread? And he said it to test Philip because for he himself knew what he would do. Whose idea was it to feed the multitude? Jesus's idea. If it's Jesus's idea, do you not know plan? This whole church, the fact that we meet here weekly and we have, we've got this foundation of a church, whose plan was it? it? Wasn't Howard and Bob's plan. They got the idea from God. If it's God's plan, does he not have the provision we need to do what we need to do as a church. That's why you never hear us thumping about money all the time and thumping about this and trying to twist everyone's arm to do this or that. No, he's, if it's God, I I tell my staff all the time when they say, hey, we got this event coming up. Okay, did you pray about it? Yeah. Do you think God gave you this idea? Yeah. But don't stress. (laughs) You have no need to stress because it will work out the way he wants it to work out. And he'll provide the people and the resources. And he has thus far. So notice He's just testing Philip. That's all. Everyone say exam day. Now, Philip answered him the exact same way most of us always do. And I've been guilty of this. Philip looked at what he had. Jesus, and he didn't even answer the question. Jesus said, hey, where where can we go buy some bread? Where's the closest Walmart? right. Philip answers and says this. 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little first thing he said is you want to do what we ain't got the money we've he looked at what he had well what did he have 200 denarii that was that wasn't chump change a denarii was a a day's worth of wage so he had about 200 he had what about eight months or so worth of money that's not bad but even that wouldn't cover the cost. And that's exactly what we do. We see this challenge that God lays ahead of us, and we go, I don't, I don't, I don't have any way of doing that, God. <laughs> I don't have any way of getting out of this. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to get through this. And you know, husbands and wives look at each other and go, how are we going to get through this? <laughs> what are we going to do? We're going to have to sell the house. We're going to have to mortgage this. We're going to have to get rid of a car. We're going to have to cut cable. We need to cut cable anyway. Trust me, ain't nothing good on TV anyway. Trust me. <laughs> Save yourself the hassle and the headache. Paying all that money just to watch stuff that gets you mad. He says, look, every one of them, we can't even feed them a little bit off of 200 denarii, right? Now, Andrew tried, Andrew, which was Peter's brother, he tried to get in on it. He's backing up Philip. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, well, there's this lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Look, all we got right here is this kid that's got some bread and some fish. But that's nothing. That's basically what he said. Look at, look at this crowd. This is nothing. How would you like to be that kid? <laughs> hey, I got some stuff. That's nothing. You know, you go put some money in our, we got our offering box over there. You go put some money over there and someone goes, Psst, that's nothing. <laughs> how, how would you like it? And this is one of Jesus's guys saying this. This is nothing, right? Yeah, we do the same thing. Here, I I want you to understand something. If you have something, the Bible says, Jesus said, if you'll just have the faith of a mustard seed, if you'll just trust me that much, that's something. Well, it's not much. Well, something's more than nothing, right? A few pieces of bread and fish was something. And what it was, he actually gave to Jesus. Here's what Jesus says. Then Jesus said, "Make the people sit down." Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in a number about five thousand. So there was at least five thousand men, probably more women and children. So it's actually a, probably a bigger crowd than five thousand. Now, when you translate the word for sit, tell the men to sit down. Tell everyone to sit down. You can. Add, it's the same phrase for. Lie down. Tell everyone, lay down. Just lay down. Lay down. Relax. And then notice the next phrase. It's the weirdest thing. Out of nowhere, he just, out of left field, he gives this, he gives this description of the place. Now, there was much grass in the place. What does that have to do with anything? Man, we're trying to feed 5,000 people. Do you understand what and Jesus just said? Lay down. And there was a bunch of grass everywhere. He's physically demonstrating Psalm 23 to these people. Trying to show them, look, I am, I am the great shepherd. I'm your shepherd. You ain't, you're not going to want and lack for anything. I'm going to make you to lie down in green. Whew. Isn't that awesome? What an incredible Messiah and teacher and savior. He's trying to get the point across. This is my idea. Lay down. I'm taking care of it. Just do what I tell you to do. Ooh, exam day. Good things happen on exam days. And Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples uh, uh, and, and the disciples to those sitting down. And likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. Now he he took what. The disciple said, well, this is a bunch of nothing. He took that little boy's little gift. And here, New King James said that he gave thanks. He he was grateful. Thank you. Thank you for this nothing. (laughs) Thank you for this little bit. Other translation says that he blessed it. You know, another word for bless is celebrate. He celebrated this offering that this kid gave. the kid gave him everything he had and that's really all he asked of us isn't it? Just give me all of you, give me everything you got. Well, there's not a whole lot. Oh, don't worry about that. I'll celebrate it. He celebrated, and what happened? See, when you just give him what you got, he begins to multiply everything that you are and everything he is in you. And it said that they began to distribute all the bread and the fish until everyone had as much as they wanted. So it wasn't like they passed out rations. Here, make it last, because you ain't getting nothing until you leave here, right? No, they had as much as they wanted. Notice 128 gallons of wine at the wedding. He could have just made just enough for everyone just to have enough just to fill them up and keep them healthy until they got out of there. But they ate a buffet of bread and fish, all you can eat. He predated Golden Corral, right? And he winds up. They ate until they finally said, "Oh no, pff, I can't eat anymore." They had all they wanted. They ate their fill. He's the God of more than enough. El Shaddai. He's not El Chipo. <laughs> He's El Shaddai. He's exuberant, right? Watch this. So when they were filled, he said to the disciples. Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled the 12 baskets with fragments. How many baskets? How many disciples were passing out? 12. Each disciple wound up with a basket that was so full of fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Man, so even the disciples who obeyed and worked and ministered to a whole huge crowd watched serving them an all-you-can-eat buffet of bread and fish. When it was all done, man, they had more than they could eat. Man, they, those disciples couldn't sit down and eat a whole basket of fish and bread. So even they had more than enough. But it happened after Philip had to take an exam. Let's all stand. So if you are going through a test, say it's a test, it's a trial by fire. Well, the Bible does say that Jesus would come and He would He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. fire. Woo! We love that Holy Spirit baptism. <laughs> Glory to God. Boy, man, that's power, that's authority, gifts of the Spirit, prophecies, tongues, interpretation of tongues, all this stuff. Woo! We love the Holy Spirit. But man, we get baptized by fire, sometimes that ain't so fun. <laughs> but even that's the purification that we get to go through. Because it only leaves what's pure in our life. Which should be faith. It removes all the false idols that we depend on. And it leaves him to be our all in all. So when you go through trials, count it all joy. Get happy. Why? Because you can have some great expectation. The miraculous is right around the corner. And the miraculous always brings more than enough amen let's pray lord i love you thank you for your word thank you for your power thank you for your miraculous anointing that you have unleashed on this house i speak the power of the holy spirit to be present in every household represented begin to meet needs in a miraculous way god because folks have been depending on you and counting on you and putting their faith in your word as the final word in their life So show yourself to be true as you have my entire life. Show yourself to be true as you have since the ancient of days. Show yourself to be God Almighty, the God of more than enough, the God, the sovereign God, the sovereign Lord. Show, show your family that you are who you say you are and show up. In a way that we can only shake our head and glorify you and say, it's only you, God. This was only you. Let us rejoice on exam day. And we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to worship one more time as a family. before. We-